Uh, and what we're going to do today is, is we're going to finish up our Advent series, because Advent's over now, it's Christmas time. And what we've been doing is we've been in this series in Matthew's Gospel called Expecting the Unexpected. And kind of the, the sub-theme, I guess you could say, is the fact that... Um, for many of you, the Christmas stories are kind of familiar. You know, they're kind of, every year it's the same stuff. There's Mary and Joseph and angels and shepherds and wise men and all this stuff going on. But what we've kind of been finding out as we look a little deeper and under, underneath in the context and everything is that actually these stories are, are not what everybody would have expected. In fact, they're unexpected names, right, in Jesus' genealogy. We've seen how they're, uh, unexpectedly Mary becomes pregnant and unexpectedly Joseph, Joseph um, listens to this angel. Well, that's unexpected too that an angel would talk to somebody. But then, you know, he chooses to stay married to, to, to Mary. Um, we've seen this unexpected story of Herod, who is king of the Jews, and his religious scholars, how they don't actually accept Jesus, but then these pagan astrologers from Babylon, of all places, they come, and these three wise men, and they actually worship Jesus. This is completely unexpected. Being so far removed from this story in time and in distance and in culture, I think it's really important for us to, to kind of realize that this story is weird. All this stuff that happened, this God becoming flesh and dwelling among us, this is quite unexpected. And so what we're going to do today is actually revisit uh, Matthew 1. We, we went through the story of Joseph and Mary a couple weeks ago, but today we're just going to focus on a couple verses. Uh, and we're going to focus on Jesus' names that he's given. So this is the only time I'm... Well, I'm not going to promise this. Would you stand with me uh, as we just read these couple of verses in Matthew 1? If you remember the story, uh, Mary and Joseph are engaged. They're betrothed uh, betrothed to one another, uh, which is this legally binding agreement. And Mary shows up pregnant, right? And so Joseph is this righteous man, which means in his culture he should divorce her. And he also wants to do right by Mary, so he's going to divorce her quietly so she doesn't get all shamed in public. And this is what happens. But when he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And they called his name Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for, uh, for these names attributed to you. God with us and God saves I thank you that they're more than just names, but they're realities because of who you are and what you've done for us. As we look at your word this evening, I pray that you would make that a reality, not only in our minds intellectually, but you would change our hearts and cause us to trust you even more. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Please be seated. So you've probably heard that verse before, and this is another case of, of yet another kind of Christmassy text sounding expected, right? 
In fact, it sounds like very good news. Here's this, Jesus is going to be born, and His name means things like God saves and, and God with us. And Jesus won't only save us um, from our sins, but He's actually God incarnate, God in our lives. Well, sort of. Let's take a look at these names and see what people in the first century might have thought about them. And let's start with Jesus' name. In Hebrew, it would be Yeshua. So the angel would come and be talking to, to Joseph in Hebrew, and he said, you will name the child Yeshua. Or in their kind of day, it would be Joshua. Okay, so, and, and in the Greek it changes it to Jesus. So Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, all the same thing. And this name Joshua was just a really common name in that day. Now I was born in 1975. My name is Christopher, which is a very common name for people born in the mid-70s and actually pretty much every decade. Uh, every class I was in going to school had at least one or two Chris's in it. It was just common. That's like Jesus. His name, Yeshua or Joshua, was just this really common name. And here's why. Here's what I think, at least. Joshua means Yahweh saves. And Yahweh is the God of Israel, right? It is also the same name as this Old Testament hero, Joshua, who took over leading Israel after Moses died. And what Joshua did was he was this warrior Leader, And he helped take the, the promised land. He helped lead the Israelites into their land. He's known as a deliverer. And in the first century, Israel was under the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire. So people are naming their kids. Joshua is kind of like this, oh, I hope my kid, you know, kind of rises up. There was an expected thing that somebody would come and lead them out of oppression. But I want you to notice how the angel tells Joseph that his name was to be called Yeshua, not because he was going to make a political um, uh, coup or be a military leader, but because he was going to save his people from what? From their sins. Now, Jesus' name is common. But that meaning, to save people from their sins, is quite unexpected. We'll come back to that. But let's look at the next name, this prophecy. The angel tells Joseph that his son will also be known as Emmanuel, which is Hebrew for God with us. And actually, more literally, it would be the with us God. The with us God. He's quoting Isaiah and telling Joseph that Jesus is going to fulfill this prophecy. Sounds kind of normal, right? You've heard that maybe a hundred times if you've gone to church a hundred times at Christmas. But there's one major problem. Emmanuel was not always known as good news for everybody. Let's take a look at the context. And I'm just, we're going to do it like a five-minute history lesson. So you ready? History tells us that in the 8th century B.C., okay, so Jesus was born in the 1st century A.D., so 700-ish years before Jesus, there was this guy, and he has a weird name. His name is Tiglath-Pileser III. Kids, can you say Tiglath-Pileser III? I can barely say it, so I don't believe you can. Okay, so he was angry because his parents named him something really weird, and he got made fun of in middle school. Just kidding. He was this ruthless king of Assyria. I don't know why he had a problem. Maybe it was his name. But he was mean. And his deal was he wanted to come west, and he wanted to conquer the Mediterranean coast where Israel was and some other countries, uh, Syria and, 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 and um, Samaria. And he wanted those ports so he could expand his kingdom and have you get the seaports. You got it all, right? 
And what was happening is these small nations on the, on the coast, Israel's northern tribes and, and some others, were trying to form a coalition. All those nations on their own were too weak to stand up to Tiglath-Pileser III in Assyria. So they're trying to form this group to resist Assyria. Now, they tried to get Judah and King Ahaz, who is the, the king in this story, to join them. And he did not want to join them. He didn't want to get in league with these other guys. So they try and take over Jerusalem, these other little nations. They say, hey, if you're not going to join us, we're going to take over your resources at least so we can stand up to Assyria. The first attack on Jerusalem, this coalition forces come against King Ahaz and his people, and he barely wins. He fends them off, but he's worried of two things now, that they're going to come back even stronger, and now he's stuck in between them and this Tiglath-Pileser III guy with a crazy name who's mean and wants to kill them. So you see his dilemma. So what happens is that God sends a prophet named Isaiah to this King Ahaz, who's now trembling in his boots. He's all scared. He's stuck in the middle of this bad thing. And God says through Isaiah, listen, it's okay. I'm going to deliver you. Those other coalition forces, they're going to try and take you over. They're going to fail. I promise. God says through Isaiah, if you trust me, you will thrive. Your kingdom will be established. He also says, if you don't trust me, things are not going to go well at all. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing here. Now, I need to read something that's real important. God sweetens the deal. And this is Isaiah 7. Verses 10 through 17. Listen to this. Then the Lord God spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask for yourself a sign from the Lord God. Make it as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz, now this sounds pretty good. Listen. Ahaz says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. And then he said, and this is Isaiah speaking, Listen now, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men, that you will try the patience of God as well? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and will bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse evil, and he's going to choose good. For before the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. That's those coalition guys. He's saying they're going to be defeated. The Lord will bring on you, however, and on your people and on your father's house such days as have never come since the day that Ephraim separated from Judah. He's going to bring the king of Assyria. So, let's dig this out now. Put this right here. Ask for a sign, anything in heaven and earth or under the earth. I mean, God is saying, listen, trust me, Ahaz, I've got this under control. And just to prove it, just ask me for anything. I'll prove it to you. I'll make the sun stand still. Uh, you, know, I'll, you know, make the moon disappear for a day or something like that. I mean, he's saying, ask for anything. And then Ahaz kind of comes off with this real pious answer. Oh, I would never test the Lord. And it sounds good, doesn't it? But we can tell by Isaiah's anger at that response that Ahaz is full of hot air. He is, um, he's already got his own rescue plan figured out. Ahaz doesn't want God's help because he's already made a backup plan. And here's the problem. Ahaz has actually, instead of turning to God for rescue, he turned to Tiglath-Pileser III. And the problem with that is he also began to worship idols instead of worshiping God. Okay? 
Ahaz rejected God's offer of salvation and trusted Assyria. Ahaz rejects God's offer of salvation, but then he gets this sign anyway. A maiden will bear a child and his name will be Emmanuel. What does all this mean? I mean, usually when we think of Emmanuel or we sing about it up here, it's about Christmas, right? Or it's about this great news, this great coming deliverer, God with us. But why, if Ahaz is going against God, why, if he's trusting Assyria and not Yahweh, why would God give him this good sign? Well, first of all, it's important to remember that this child that was to be born, this Emmanuel, is just a sign. The baby that was promised and was actually born in the 7th century BC was not actually God with us. It's just that his name was God with us, okay? So he's there and he's like this little baby and then grows up to be a little boy and he's a living, breathing reminder to Ahaz. Like every time Ahaz would see this kid, he'd be like, oh yeah, God with us, oh yeah, God with us. So the baby was not supposed to actually be God with us, all right? The second thing we need to, to learn is that we need to ask the question, is Emmanuel, is God with us, a really good thing? Is it a blessing or is it a curse? Is it a good thing or a dangerous thing? And what we find in Isaiah 7 is that Emmanuel, God being with us, appears to have two meanings depending on who we trust. Check this out. If Ahaz would have changed his mind, would have put his trust in Yahweh, God with us is going to be a very good thing, very good news. God said, if you trust me, I'm going to establish your kingdom. It's going to be good. However, God with us is, can be a frightening thing if you want to trust somebody else instead of God, if you want to rebel against God. And that's exactly what happened with Ahaz. So, there's the brief history lesson. What does all this mean about the birth of Jesus 700-ish years after this Ahaz thing? Well, it means that the birth of Emmanuel in the first century, the birth of Jesus was completely unexpected. Like I said, lots of kids were named Yeshua or Joshua, right? But nobody was naming their kid Emmanuel. We have all these extra-biblical records, all these writings and, and lists of names from, uh, that are outside the Bible from the times of Jesus. And you get to see all the common names on there. You see, like, Yeshua is listed a bunch. Nobody's named their kid Emmanuel. And certainly nobody named their kid Yeshua Emmanuel. And that's not even the most unexpected part. Because, as you know, celebrities today name their kids all kinds of weird things. Was it uh, apple and, and orange and stuff like that? Um, it, it wasn't, you know, you can name somebody a weird name and it's not that unexpected. The unexpected thing about Jesus' birth is that no one expected God with us to actually be a real person. Let me try and flesh this out for you. Corey and I put uh, a lot of thought into naming our girls Sophia and Stella. And Sophia means wisdom. And Stella is Latin for bright star. She was born on the shortest day of the year. And her middle name, Grace. So we, you know, my prayer is that Sophia would one day uh, just keep growing to be wise. Right, honey? And, and that, that Stella would be a, a shining star. And that she would be full of grace and lead people to the grace of the Lord. And that's my hope for them. But in no way do I expect Sophia to actually embody wisdom. Or in no way do I expect Stella to suddenly become a, a 
what is it like? What is the sun? Is it a nuclear reaction? Or I don't expect my daughter to become a fireball. Okay, her name represents something, but I don't expect her to be it. And that was the sign child, Emmanuel, from the Ahaz story. This baby was born, but it wasn't supposed to actually be God with us. And now, something completely unexpected happened. That Jesus is born not only with these names, but He actually is God with us. That was completely unexpected. Nobody was waiting for that to happen. Jesus not only is named Yeshua God saves, He is the God who saves. So the scandal of Christmas is that God not only sent the sign of His presence... But to the surprise and to the scandal of the world, the creator of the universe became one of us. He humbled himself, became dependent, he became weak. John says, he became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. No one was expecting this. But in the fullness of time, God came to love and to teach and to serve and to draw people to repentance and to give himself in death and resurrection that we might have forgiveness of sin and new life. And so, here we are. Kind of like King Ahaz in a way. Many of us in the past, or if you're like me, in the present struggle with trusting in my own wisdom or in your own resources to deal with problems instead of trusting in our God. But I've got good news. God continues to offer you and I the sign of Emmanuel, His very presence in Jesus the Christ. In the midst of our troubles and our grief and our pain, in the midst of our insecurity and our false pride and our guilt, Jesus stands before us and bids us to come and follow Him. Elizabeth Ochtemeyer writes, It must have seemed a ridiculous promise to Ahaz that God was offering a little babe to him to bolster his belief. Ahaz didn't need a baby then. He needed an army. And because he would not believe, he was not established. We too think we need armies and goods and advanced degrees and status and power and material comforts. We need think we need self-fulfillment and all sorts of things that can save our lives. But as with the Ahaz of old, God gives for our assurance only a helpless babe. And we celebrate His birth in Bethlehem every Christmas season. And really the message, the message is just the same as it was back in the time of Isaiah. That if we trust that sign and the power and the purity and the plan and the mercy of God who sent Him, then our lives will be saved. Not only now, but forever and ever and ever. Emmanuel, God saves. Yeshua, or Yeshua God saves. Emmanuel, God with us. It's right here. The question is, who will we trust today? Would you pray with me? Lord, we just confess how easy it is to um, put our faith in the things that we can see, in the situations we can control. in the finances we have, 
I pray that you would disturb us where we are relying on those things and not you. We thank you that you don't just give us words. Um, you don't just give us a, a verbal promise or a, a thing written in a book that's very old. But you actually emptied yourself, became a baby, gave yourself into death and rose from the grave. Jesus, there is none like you. Help us to lay down the things that we are putting our trust in and to receive your embrace. Thank you for your grace and mercy, mercy to us. In Jesus' name, amen.